The first step is to recognize and become aware I am codependent or I am living with a codependent person. I'm living mm. in a toxic situation. Awareness is almost everything. Once you are self-aware or mm. you are aware of your situation or you are aware of what other persons are doing to you, then that is half the battle. Right. Once you yeah. become aware of your situation, then the next step is how do I get out? What steps do I take? And the steps doesn't have to be necessarily run, cut and run. Mm. No. Many times in a relationship, I'm saying, no, You, if, if it can be repaired from within, then stay and repair it. Don't cut and run. The cut and run is not the answer for every problem, whether it is marital or not marital relationships. Welcome, everyone. Today, we have Dr. Vonnie Marshall back on the podcast for part two of our discussion about boundaries and codependency. If you missed the first part, you need to pause this episode and go listen to that one and then come back here. In this episode, Dr. Marshall talks about recognizing if you're in a codependent relationship, how to create healthy boundaries, the difference between parenting and caretaking, and much more. Unfortunately, we had some internet issues throughout the conversation, which caused a bit of a delay in our responses to one another. That's the difficulty sometimes of these online conversations. But we got there in the end, and you will be blessed by this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes if you are listening to this or if you're watching it on YouTube, because there are links to resources that are discussed in this conversation. As you're currently listening, you're probably not following Following us is the best way to stay connected and not miss an episode. To follow us on Apple Podcasts, look to the top right for the plus sign. Also, subscribe to us on YouTube to check out our video content. Now, let's get to the conversation. Well, it's great to have you back on for part two of this discussion on boundaries and codependency. We, we spent a lot of time on the last episode explaining, you know, what boundaries are and um, and codependent relationships and so on. Uh, and today is going to be a little bit more practical. Uh, so I'll let you go ahead and start off. Thank you again, uh, Dr. Marshall, for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Greg. Good to be back. This is episode two. Um, I don't really want to do a, a sort of a recap on episode one, except to except to actually say what personal boundaries are again, so that there's a, uh, there's a kind of a continuity. Um, before mm-hmm. we can even fix boundary issues, we need to understand what they are, what are healthy boundaries, what healthy boundaries look like, what unhealthy boundaries look like. I think we touched on that in episode one already, but there is one particular, uh, uh, principle, so to speak, or, um, a, a definitive statement here is, taking responsibility for your own actions and uh, taking responsibility for your own actions while not taking responsibility for the actions or emotions of others is a huge aspect of creating healthy personal boundaries. You, you, you cannot have, uh, you cannot create a healthy boundary in any kind of relationship if you're not willing to take responsibility just for your own emotions and actions. Really, we are only empowered to take uh, responsibility for our own actions and emotions. We're not empowered mm. that nobody has that kind of ability or capability or skill to take responsibility for somebody else's actions or emotions. It's too much pressure on the individual to become um, you know, responsible for somebody else. But that's what the codependent does. The codependent person uh, typically... Uh, tries to take responsibility for other people's actions or inactions. For example, the lady I was telling you about, because the her grown-up son would not get a job, she began to step into what he need he needed to be doing, and she began to look for jobs for him. It's okay to do a favor once in a while for a friend or a family member, and you know, uh, help them out. But mm-hmm. once you begin to take on completely what they're supposed to be doing, you disempower them, you disenfranchise them, 
as a matter of fact. Right. And you, that a codependent person does that because, again, going back to a codependent, people need to be needed. So they will try to fill every every void and not just void, even when there's no void, they will try to make themselves indispensable in your life. And one way of making yourself indispensable in someone else's life is to become responsible for what you are supposed to be responsible for, Mm. you know? And, and so people with poor boundaries, you know, they typically come in two, and I don't like to use the word flavor, but that's what I'm going to end up using. They typically come in two flavors (laughs) And uh, one is those who take mm-hmm. too much responsibility for someone else, or the other flavor is those who expect others to take too much responsibility for them. That means if I expect, okay. Greg, if I expect you to take too much responsibility for my own emotions and actions, that means I have poor, unhealthy boundaries. Um If I'm taking too much responsibility for you, I have unhealthy boundaries. So interestingly, these two types of people often end up in relationships together. So that means Mm -hmm. uh, one partner would be overly responsible for the other person and the other person will be not responsible at all. And they feed off each other. The irresponsible one will feed off uh, uh, the responsible one by needing them more and more and more and saying words like, well, you know, I'm totally dependent on you. I cannot live without, excuse me. I know that sound, that might sound, um, <laughs> that might sound romantic in some very dramatic movie, but I cannot live <laughs> without you is, is, is actually a contradiction in terms. You, you can live without people (laughs) and uh, but then Mm -hmm. a lot of people say that because they want you to remain I cannot live without you what would I do if you left me what would I do if you were not around now of course sometimes you can say those words Mm. in an affectionate or even a half uh, humorous way or uh, uh, you know uh, intent but not in a serious way you know I mean for example um, you know people would say well you cannot go out with your friends without me You know how jealous I get. You have to stay home with me because if you go out with your friends and you have a good time, I'm not, you know how envious I get about that. So you need to stay with that is a person that is now making, um, uh, you know, they are, they are, they are making you responsible for their emotions of, of loneliness and jealousy. You're responsible. If I'm jealous, your mm-hmm. response. So the only way to fix this is that you don't go out and have a social life of your own. Make me your social life. Mm. So a lot of relationship can uh, are destroyed this way because there's so much control. The person who is totally irresponsible can become, um, they, they become overly controlling towards the person that is very responsible. Now the person that is overly responsible for the irresponsible, I don't know, couch potato, if you like, um, uh, the emotional needy person, the emotional child, you know, it is really an emotional child. They behave like children. You know, if you, if I don't get my way, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, stomp the ground, pull my hair. I'm going to act out, which is a defense mechanism. But the thing is, um, the overly responsible person is just the same, meaning that they have equally poor boundaries. But in this kind of codependent, dependent relationship, the irresponsible person, uh, the needy person is the dependent person. And the person that is overly responsible, the person that is trying to fill the avoid, uh, the other person's needs, uh, to, even though they really cannot, realistically, nobody can fill everybody's needs all the time. You know, I could fill some of the needs sometimes, but not all the time. And so the overly responsible person is the codependent. So one person is the dependent. The other person is the codependent. Okay. So, um, you know, if, if you, if, if an overly responsible person that uh, needs to be needed, you will hear them say things like, sorry, guys, I cannot go out with y'all tonight. I cannot hang out tonight. Uh, my wife gets really angry when I go out without her or my girlfriend gets really mad if I go out without her. So I'm just going to skip tonight and just stay home and just keep the peace. There's something wrong in that relationship. There's a toxicity that is beginning to set in um, because the person that is cutting off their social life has now become a caregiver of the, um, of the person that is um, playing the victim. 
so to speak, the person yeah. that is become uh, that is overly needy. We have to watch out for overly needy people. Now, as Christians, we sometimes are, and I don't like saying tricked into because I've gotten into trouble in the past for saying this word, but sometimes we are pressured into thinking that as Christians, we need to um, we need to take care of other people. We need to take care. Now, the truth is, there is some care that we need to put out. There is some care. Uh, mm -hmm. Jesus, in his ministry, um, uh, you know, on this earth, you know, in that in, in that thirty-three and a half years, he he cared for people, but he right. never made someone uh, not take responsibility. Remember yeah, the true. woman that was caught in the act of adultery. He cared for her enough to say, "I'm not going to condemn you. I'm I'm not going to make mm -hmm. you." Uh, I mean, you already feel bad as it is. You almost died because they were going to stone you. I'm not going to condemn you, but he made her responsible by saying, don't sin again. Now go and sin yeah. no more. He didn't cover for her by lying to the people with the stones. <laughs> Jesus didn't cover mm -hmm. for her by telling them, now you guys got the wrong girl. Okay. She's not the one. The one that you caught has already left town. She's not the one I'm, you know, she's a good girl um, and codependent people will cover for other people. They will cover for mm. other people's sin. They'll say, no, no, yeah. no. You've got the, my son is not like that. My son doesn't, doesn't smoke or whatever, or doesn't snort or doesn't, you know, uh, uh, he's not an addict. I mean, he's got some emotional issues and he might, he might drink once in a while, but he's not, you know, he's not terribly He's not a bad person, so you don't have to tell me that mm -hmm. he needs help. You need to stop judging my son. Now, that is wow. that is a, a I mean, and, and the reason you're saying wow is because we've seen that in so yeah, many relationships, sure. in so many parent-child relationships, when the parents cover for their children. Don't cover for mm -hmm. your kids, parents. You don't have to throw them to the wolves. I'm not saying that, but get them help. Get them help as soon as possible. If you cover for your children, it means you don't have boundaries. You don't have health. The parents don't have healthy boundaries. Yeah. And you're taking on responsibility that, that doesn't belong to and you. You're exactly. You're, you're taking, taking on, the, on responsibility. Yeah. You are covering for them. You are not exposing the, 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 the sin, so to speak. Nobody needs you. Right. Nobody's telling the parent to go and put it in the newspaper or, uh, you know, get onto a radio interview and talk about your children. It's a private matter, but you can privately and respectfully get him or her help. Right. You don't have to cover for them because somehow you're trying to maintain a friendship with them and a relationship with them. By the way, parents, God didn't call parents to become your children's best friend. God called you to be their parents. First, mm -hmm. and while if you fulfill your parental role in the life of your child, then you will automatically become their good friend eventually. You know, they might mm -hmm. be mad at you at first for fulfilling a parental role biblically, but eventually they will see the value of the role that you have fulfilled and they will um, they will want friendship with you. They will trust you. They will look at you as a safe person that is not afraid to call call it out, to call things out. You, you, you are called to be a safe parent, a safe person for your child. You are not called to be their best buddy. A lot of parents yeah. focus on being their children's buddy. Your children will have buddies. Don't worry. They'll have good buddies. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, they might even have bad buddies. But you are not called to be their friend. You're called to be their mom and dad and bring them up biblically and raise them in a biblical manner and 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 uh, provide them a safe environment for their emotional, mental, and spiritual growth and uh, a safe environment. And your child will see the value of that eventually and say, you know what? You are my friend. You are the best friend that I, I should have had from the very beginning. You are my parent, but you are my friend because you were never afraid to get me to take responsibility from making up my own bed to washing my own dishes to telling the truth in every situation to, to, uh, not, uh, to, to not have you cover for my sins, to cover for my bad behavior, to not have you make excuses for me. And that even extends to husbands and wives. Don't, don't, mm. you know, protect your 
protect your partner, protect your spouse, protect your, even your children, protect them, but don't cover. There's a difference between protecting them and covering for them. And so what would you say is the difference there, digging into that statement? Um, protecting. What's the difference between, yeah, especially in a spousal uh, situation. Okay. For, for example, if I knew that my spouse, okay, I mean, uh, this is a hypothetical situation. Um, but if I knew my spouse had has done something wrong or my spouse has done something that is, um, you know, not, um, not right. Okay. So, something wrong mm-hmm. in my eyes, you know, just. Right. Yeah. Protecting them would be talking them about it. Talk, not mm-hmm. talking to my in-laws about it. That's not protecting them. Talking mm-hmm. to my parents about it, talking to his parents, talking to his buddies, talking to church people, to, you know, just really washing uh, our linen in, in, in a public arena. That's not protecting him. That's not protecting his reputation or his good name. Okay, so he's, he's made some mistakes or he's made a mistake. I go to him first. Mm-hmm. And openly talk to him finding out what the issues are and and if 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 there are issues if seriously uh the spouse has done something that is potentially uh or is endangering the relationship or potentially endangering the relationship or or endangering him or endangering me or the or the children or whatever then i offer to get them help protection means you um, you don't cover the sin. Protection is you go to the person and you offer help. You offer either your help or you offer a professional or a help from a safe person. It could be a pastoral leader, a pastor's, you know, pastor, a counselor, that kind of help. Uh, help mm-hmm. in a safe, controlled situation. Right. Not protecting them would look like me talking to everybody about it on Facebook. <laughs> okay, not on maybe that's a maybe that's an exaggeration, but there are lots. I'm sorry, but I have seen spouses. Uh, I'm not, uh, I unfortunately seen, I don't think that's such an exaggeration. It is it is not a, exactly. I wish it was an exaggeration. Actually in today's world it's not. I've seen spouses take their marital problems to social media mm. or an online chat. Uh, on an online chat uh, uh, a platform or to talk to a coworker. Okay. Let's even, let's even bring it closer. Talk to a coworker or talk to church people. Listen, your spouse one day after you've talked to a bunch of church people about your spouse, your spouse one day might repent and make amends and want to get on the straight and narrow path. And, 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 and you're celebrating with that and you're happy about that. But then church people won't forget what you told them about them the last. And then he finds out, okay, you might even Mm -hmm. forgive. That's the thing about telling other people. You might forgive and you might even forget. But the people that you've told may not forget and some may not even forgive. So so what happens is your your spouse is trying to get on the straight and narrow. We're going somewhere else here. But seriously, this is a lack of boundary within within a marital situation. Your spouse is trying to get in the straight and narrow. Your spouse is trying to uh, even, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, be used in ministry. But then you have you have just blurted some things out a year ago about your spouse to church people that cannot forget what he did a year ago. When he's already made amends, but your church people are like, well, wait a minute. Wasn't that the guy that did that? In fact, his own wife told me. So he's mm. then he finds out that you have went and blurted it to a bunch of people. And so now he cannot serve in that particular congregation because you've caused a stink. Mm. There is nowhere in the Bible that is rec- nowhere in the Bible that records that. Jesus talked about that adulterous woman to someone else after that event that he repeated it. Yeah. The gospels, mm. the gospels, um, you know, Matthew, well, yeah, I think it was Matthew, but the, several of the gospels recount and, 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 and describe that story, but no one, nobody says, well, you know, let me tell you about this adult. Jesus didn't go around saying, well, let me tell you about a woman that I, you know, I forgave her and I told her not to sin again. And, but you know what? She was caught. And that's why the Bible says that the person that repeats a matter separates friends. 
But a person who mm. seeks loves, who seeks love or pursues love, they, they use the word covers a transgression. It, that, that word cover a transgression doesn't mean you don't get them help. It means that you don't talk about it to the whole world. Right. You don't okay. have to talk about your children's mistakes to everybody, but please get them help. Don't cover it. Does that make sense? Now, what would you say? Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, what would you say to someone who is who is saying, well, the reason I spoke to them is I'm trying to get advice. I'm trying to get some guidance as to what I would it, it, would do. And, and sometimes we'll, people will use that as a as an excuse to talk to well, other people. People use all kinds of excuses to feed the desire to gossip. <laughs> you know, the desire to gossip is a carnal desire. And like most, most carnal desires, if not all, we look for even scriptural backing to, to, to support the craving to continue that carnal desire. You know, for example, we will say, oh, how can you say I cannot date that guy? You know, I mean, he's, um, you know, he, he comes to youth meetings. He must be spiritual. He comes to youth service. I, I'm not sure how many people are going to like that statement at this particular in this particular episode. But him attending youth services does not mean that he's is suitable or spiritual enough to be husband material. <laughs> we, 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 we will do anything to to feed the um, to feed the gossip narrative. We would we would use scripture. We would use personal uh, so-called convictions and stuff like that. And so uh, there is no place that we need to give. We cannot give place to the desire to gossip. And so if I know, of course, we're, we're not going to generally perhaps gossip about our own children. We're going to actually end up covering for them, which is, which is not, not good at all. It's it, and instead of getting them help. But you said, well, what about your question was, well, what about if the, the, the motive to, uh, that, to tell somebody at church is to get them help? Well, if my motive was pure, then I would go to a leader. I would go mm. to a pastoral leader or a pastor's wife who I feel could be safe or safer than a, 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 an ordinary lay member, no matter how respectable and great that I think that member is, that person is not in a position to, to perhaps counsel uh, in this in this case, and so I should not take it to a best friend or someone that I believe is safe uh, or someone who's a lay member of the church. I really need to take it to a pastor, a pastor leader, or a counselor. If a church has mm -hmm. a counselor, take it to the counselor. You know, make an appointment and say, "Look, I have a child, I have a son, I have a husband, I have a friend who's going through struggling with this." And please do not discuss with anybody, but they need help. Tell me what I can do. Tell me what both of us can do to intervene in this in this nature. If my if my purpose was pure, if my motive and agenda is pure, I would find pure, uh, safe methods of getting help to my loved one, mm -hmm. getting them right. help. Um, uh, and I, I would not, uh, you know, just talk about it to everybody else and say, well, I'm, I was only trying to get them help. Uh, mm -hmm. So I talked to them. I've talked about it to seven different people trying to get them help. No, no, I'm, <laughs> I, I think that uh, actions speak louder than words. So, you know, um, I, I, I don't buy that. So, yeah, right. I mean, I, you know. So and, if, and if someone has a lot of problems, go ahead. Yeah. If someone finds themselves in a codependent relationship or in the midst of these two episodes, they've come to the realization that they may be in a relationship like that. What are some steps that they can start taking to help uh, set boundaries or get out of a relationship like that? Try and if, change if it is, if it is a, you see, there are two, uh, there, uh, there are more than one, uh, two categories, but for, for the purpose of this episode, I'm focusing on say marriage relationship as opposed to non-marital relationships. If, if it's friendships, if it's friendships, if it is a engagement, a situation, you're not married to this person, uh, then it is easier to, uh, I, when I say easier, I'm talking about relatively easier to extricate yourself, to get out of that relationship because it is, you know, you can just, you can just get out. 
You can just say mm. this is a codependent relationship. Uh, or for, first of all, you have to recognize that either you are codependent or you're living with somebody who's codependent. If you're living with someone who's codependent and they're codependent over you, that means you are the dependent. So you need to get some healthy boundaries. You know, you asked this question the last uh, episode, the previous episode. You said, uh, are people born with boundaries or are they developed? Well, like any good skill, boundary is a skill. It's actually a skill, a science, and an art, I say. So the codependent person is responsible to get help. So if I am codependent, Say, for example, I, but first of all, I have to recognize the signs of codependency. So how do I recognize the sign? If I don't know how to recognize the signs, I go to a counselor, I go to somebody who knows and, and help them or, or, or get them to help me recognize the signs. I need mm -hmm. to take good advice and I need to be able to, if I cannot put boundaries in that relationship and change the relationship from within, then I have no choice but to get out of that relationship. Now, if it's okay. a non-marital relationship, that is uh, relatively less complicated to get out of a non-marital relationship than it is a marriage relationship. In a marriage relationship, um, you know, of course, I'm not saying I'm, I'm recommending that you just cancel the marriage and get out because of a codependent situation. But what I am saying is that you need to build um, boundaries from within. But even in a marriage relationship, if you feel that that toxicity is still there, it's not leaving, uh, you, you, you are, you're trying, you're getting help, your counselor is involved, but they're not wanting you to leave. They're still very dependent on you or uh, the, the spouse is codependent on you. They're very controlling and because uh, codependent people are very controlling and all of that. So what happens is it is complicated. And if they are not wanting the, the spouse or whoever that is codependent or dependent are not wanting counseling help, then you have to separate yourself from that relationship. I'm not even talking divorce. I'm talking about you've got to uh, place boundaries that are as strict or as um, as firm as as. Uh, you know, maybe to separate for a time because this person is not um, wanting healthy boundaries. In fact, I, I, I am involved in counseling, um, several people right now who are in similar situations where, uh, the husband is extremely codependent on the wife. Mm. The, the, now the wife was a, was dependent, but, but now the husband is, uh, you know, very manipulative, very controlling, does not have healthy boundaries. Once the wife didn't need him, need him, he will cover for her and the kids and everything and make excuses for everyone instead of getting help. And he wants to remain that way. He wants to remain controlling and, and, um, and manipulative and, and, you know, um, he wants everyone in the family to need him to the point where it's, this, it's very toxic. Right. So uh, when she has tried to create a distance between them by applying these boundaries and she has gone and even stayed with her parents and because he wouldn't change and there's a, you know, the things became actually even violent a little bit. And so she had to leave um, because when codependent people don't get their way, they can become a little violent. Uh, you know, her goal in recovery was to have healthy boundaries, not too rigid, not too loose. Okay. And she, because she began to counsel with me. So I, I gave her those goals and she began to have goals to establish healthy boundaries. Um, as she developed healthy boundaries, she also developed appropriate sense of roles among family members. See, when you have healthy boundaries, you realize that what your role is, what is mm. your role as a, as a partner, as a spouse in this marriage? What is your role as a wife, as opposed to his role as a husband? What is your role as a parent? You become uh, very cognizant and very aware of your role. And it's very important to know what your role is in order that you stay in that role and you don't try to become someone else. That's how right. you stop. Well, that is that is exactly how you stop taking responsibility for somebody else's actions and emotions because you know your own role. We hmm. take responsibility for ourselves. And she began to know what her rights were, her role, her role is as a mother and wife. And she began to take responsibility for herself. But he resented her attempts to become a healthy person. He didn't hmm. want her to become healthy. 
because he was afraid that she would stop needing him. She would stop needing him. She never stopped wanting him, but yes, she stopped needing him to, to take on, take on her responsibilities and become, you know, um, extremely abusive. And uh, she wanted him to stop being abusive emotionally, Mm. mentally, uh, physically. And, um, she realized that she was in a abusive relationship. What does she do? She's married. She has two children. What does she do? Does she walk away and file for divorce? She didn't want to do that. And I didn't counsel her to do that. But then I told her that until he realizes that he needs help, he needs, uh, you know, a mental, emotional and spiritual help to become a healthy person. Um, uh, you know, she needs to lay some very, very strong boundaries, healthy boundaries. And part of that was to separate herself. She decided, uh, you know, that she needed to separate herself from the, from the ugliness, the abuse and the violence. I would always tell a victim of, of verbal abuse and physical and emotional abuse to separate themselves for a time from the abuser. Now, why was he abusive? Because he wasn't getting his way. He wanted to control and he couldn't control. He couldn't, mm. he couldn't get her to be what uh, he wanted her to be, a needy, weak person that relied on him for everything. Melody Beattie, M-E-L-O-D-I-E, first name Beattie, second, uh, last name B-E-T-T-I-E. It's a kind of a different kind of spelling. Melody Beattie wrote a book called Codependent No More codependent no more it comes with a workbook as well and you can get the textbook and the workbook and um and 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 actually you know if i actually recommend uh churches to have group meetings with this book get uh, let everyone get a workbook and the group leader can have the textbook or everyone can get both you know and every meeting you you finish a portion of the workbook and you begin to realize, oh my goodness, you begin to realize whether, first of all, you're codependent or you're living with a codependent person, or if there are codependent people in your world. You do, you may not be married to them. They could be a parent. They could be a child. They could be a coworker. They could be your boss. They could be a church member that you can't seem to shake off, you know. And mm. why are you always, uh, uh, you know, attracted to codependent people? Is it because they're, they're very... They're very caring. They take care of all your needs. So they're so nice to be with because they just, they just spoon feed you and take care of all your needs and they mother you and eventually smother you. (laughs) Eventually smother you. Yeah. They mother you first Mm. and eventually smother. They don't let you be your own person. They don't let you just have that freedom. I'm, I'm, I, uh, you know, I like people to have freedom and I like to have freedom. I, I, I just, I cannot take smothering and I try not to smother other people. If I am, I want people to tell me, but, um, so this, uh, this, this book that you're talking about, this activity book, would you recommend that for like a small group at a church or? Yes, I would recommend that for a church small group. I would recommend that small group, you know, like if you have a mental health small group in your home Mm -hmm. and, uh, and you go through that book, the book actually even teaches you how to use the book. So it actually instructs you how to use the book. You don't even need a counselor in that small group to tell you how to use the book. The, the, you know, it is not some kind of a, a book where you need to be qualified in psychology or psychi- right. uh, psych- uh, psychiatry in order to use the book. You can use the book and the book is very user friendly. It instructs you on how to use it. And all you do is you, you do need a, a small group leader, a mature, mm-hmm. a safe person uh, that would protect that would protect the information shared in that group because the book, the workbook challenges each member to share information so that everyone begins to be a help, a support to everyone else in the group. Especially if we find out that either we are codependent, somebody else is codependent and the book actually helps. How do you get out of it? So your question is, how do you get out of a codependent relationship? Or if you are codependent, how do you stop being codependent? And you wake up tomorrow morning, what do you do? Well, first of all, you you lean on God and you pray right. that these uh, symptoms of codependency and these um, characteristics of codependency and a boundaryless life, um, God will help you and God will heal you spiritually from mm. the trauma or the abuse that 
created it in the first place. You, you pray to God. So the first thing I would say is go back to spiritual disciplines and lean on God. Pray to God that he will help you, that he will give you the grace and truth within scriptural within within scripture to get you to a place of healing. The second thing is there are resources out there. If I tell you on all of what Melody Beattie wrote about, that's a whole nother episode. And in fact, since we did talk about doing other episodes, I would love to talk more about, you know, steps on how to come get out of a codependent relationship because I am I have been inundated with questions on how do I get out. How do wow. I get out? And so an entire episode or two episodes on how do you get out of code? Because this episode is on boundaries within mm -hmm. a codependent relationship. So it's really, um, uh, you know, the tip of the iceberg, so to speak. The last two, ep the, the last episode in this one is the ice, uh, the tip of the iceberg. Underneath the waters, uh, you know, there's so much more. And um, but but Melody uh, uh, Beattie really, really uh, describes the steps individuals can take. And the first step is to recognize and become aware I am codependent or I am living with a codependent person. I'm living yeah. in a toxic situation. Awareness is almost everything. Once you are self-aware or right. you are aware of your situation or you are aware of what other persons are doing to you, then that is half the battle. Right. Once you yeah. become aware of your situation, then the next step is how do I get out? What steps do I take? And the steps doesn't have to be necessarily run, cut and run. Mm. No, many times in a relationship, I'm saying, no, you, if, if it can be repaired from within, then stay and repair it. Don't cut and run. The cut and run is not the answer for every problem, whether it is marital or not marital relationships, you know? And, right. um, I had a, I had a, I had a friend who was very codependent. Uh, um, she was not codependent on me. She was just codependent period. She was codependent on her son. She was codependent with her husband and, but she was a friend of mine. I could have, I could have, I could have cut and run. I could have just backed away from her, but I wanted to help her. So I stayed in that friendship to help her, you know, and at first it was difficult because there was no awareness in her own life. She didn't, she wasn't aware she was codependent. She just thought I am one of the most loyal. She, she thought she was one of the most loyal, caring, uh, loving individuals. And why do people misunderstand her as being codependent? But you see, codependent people come across at first as very, very caring, loyal. Please, please don't misunderstand me. The Bible tells us to be loving and caring, but loving and caring in a healthy way, loving and caring without smothering, loving and caring while giving people the ability to come up for air and breathe, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, not, not smother them and saying, well, I'm loving you to death. You know, um, <laughs> one thing I did want to say is that, um, the, one of the reasons why we have a lot of damaged boundaries or damaged people who don't have uh, uh, good boundaries, people who get into codependent relationships, uh, people who become codependent or people who become dependent on other people, is research has shown that a lot of humiliation, abuse or shame is what causes a great deal of damage to boundaries. You know, inappropriate, even inappropriate generational roles among family members. If you have family members, mom, dad, siblings, and they have not known what their roles are and they've taken on other people's roles, sometimes you, you can't help it. You know, you have a single mom. She has to be yeah. both dad and mom to the child. Yeah. I don't blame the single mom. I mean, many times it's no through, no fault of her her own, that she's had to play both roles, you know, both mom and spiritual leader and everything. And so, but then many times uh, inappropriate generational roles among family members and roles between uh, our family and other families can damage boundary formation. Because we're thinking, well, you know, I know you're my mom, but I, I want you to be mom and brother and best friend and dad and sister and God. Mm. I want you to be everything. You know, I want you to be everything to me. Nobody, Greg, nobody can be everything to somebody. Right. Yeah. And so the song, You Are My Everything, can only be sung to God, mm. <laughs> not to your boyfriend. <laughs>
You know, and so people who have been, okay, people who have been in the role of caretaker, for example, and I say about inappropriate generational roles among family members, if a person has been, uh, uh, has taken on the role of a caretaker, okay, instead of just being the husband, the husband has now become, because of, uh, uh, you know, because of his own codependency or the, the the dependent nature of his spouse or other children or whatever, he's become the caretaker. And some people might think, isn't a husband a caretaker? No, a husband is a husband. The, the scripture defines his role very clearly. Society hmm. defines the husband's role. If you give, you know, not maybe not... Uh, all of society, sometimes today society defines roles in a very weird way. But um, if you go to a safe counselor, they can define and help define the husband's role, the wife's role. But when the husband has now uh, changed and, and he has relabeled himself or somebody else has labeled him or relabeled him as and he's taken on the role of caretaker. And um, this this person who's taken on the role of a caretaker, begin to believe other people's emotions and feelings are now my responsibility because I'm not just your husband. I'm not just your wife. Now I've become your babysitter. Now I've become your caretaker. So everything you feel, everything you do now is my responsibility. I'm going to make sure that you, 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 you do everything the way you should be doing it. And I'm going to follow you around, making sure you do it. Mm. If I think that you need to have a job because you're 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 out of college, then I'm going to uh, make sure that you know that that you go to every interview, and I'm going to stay up at, late at night and worry about tomorrow's interview for you, and make sure that you pick out the right suit. It's okay to be helpful once in a while, but my goodness, let an adult be an adult. They know mm -hmm. how to pick out their own clothes and get there on time. You don't have to have sleepless nights wondering whether your child is going to get there on time. Then you are taking on their responsibility. You are now switching from the role of a parent to the role of caretaker, babysitter. Now, if your child is five years old, 10 years old, maybe you need to worry about what time they'll wake up, have breakfast and go off to, and be ready for school. You can worry. But if they are 21 years old and you're still worried about they're not going to make it in time for an interview or they're going to make it, then you're becoming co uh, codependent. Let them be. If they're going to be late, it'll be on their head. You can see how um, this can have a knock-on effect. You know, it's like the, the, the scene that you're describing is that uh, there may have been a codependent relationship in, in their past, and because of that, now they are replicating that in their own relationships, People not because they want to, but because of what they see. Absolutely. And you know, in, in many ways, uh, of course, children do that. They emulate what they see. They copy what they see. They use language what, of what they hear. If, if a child right. suddenly uses an uh, expletive, it's because they've heard it from somebody at the, at the house or, you know, or whatever. And they've not been, uh, you know, they've had parents without any boundaries. You're right. People replicate what they what they've experienced. Many times they do. So the codependent person here, the caretaker, the caretaker slash husband here, which is very unhealthy, uh, may have actually seen this in his own father, mm. may have seen this actions played out by his own mom. Maybe his mom was extremely codependent on him. And so he's confused and thinking in, in thinking, oh, you know what a husband, a husband does, uh, take on the role of caretaker. The husband has to worry about the wife. Of course, husbands, if your wife is doing something that is going to be damaging and you're worried about it, that's normal. But if you're laying awake at night, taking on responsibility, her responsibility of being an adult, then you are not allowing her to be an adult and, mm -hmm. and, and suffer the consequences of her own mistakes. If your grown-up child is going to be late, then he's going to suffer the consequences of not making it for the job interview and probably not getting the job. It is not your job to make sure he gets a job. Mm. It is. It, it is not. It is not the husband's job to make sure that the wife, um, you know, um, it, it behaves as a functional adult. Yeah. We hope the wife is behaving as a functional adult, a functional adult in society. Say she doesn't. He has to go to her and just expose that to her and just 
uh, biblically confront. Biblical confrontation, again, it's not rude. It's not violent. I mentioned that before. It's yeah. not rude, violent, or ugly. Biblical confrontation is respectful and kind and loving. Jesus confronted people biblically. He didn't put mm -hmm. them down and call them names. He just said, "You don't do this anymore. Because if right. you do this, this is a consequence. So the husband goes to the wife and not puts her down and not, and not disrespects her, but... Um, confronts her in a kind and respectful way and offers uh, uh, not not only his own help, but offers for her to receive help from a professional or a pastor or whatever to get whatever the help is. That's all he can do. And after that, he needs to step back and just trust in God for God to do a, a work there and hmm. for counselors to do a work. But if the wife is like, I don't need counseling, I'm I'm a role model here, I'm perfect, I'm good, I'm fine, there's nothing wrong with me, everything is wrong with you, but then there's nothing wrong with me. And yes, yes, I'm, I, I have counseled people where the spouses literally thinks that there's nothing wrong with her, nothing wrong with it, there's something wrong with the other spouse or the kids. Everybody else is wrong, I'm not wrong. Everybody else has the problem, I don't have the problem. There are disorders that make people think that way, but we're not going to get into that now. That will be another episode altogether. But um, but seriously, uh, if once, once the spouse backs uh, and says, you know, resist that resists help and says, I'm okay. I don't need any of this. I'm fine. I don't need this. I I'm, I'm, I'm good to go. You know, thank you for talking to me about it, but you're the one that needs help. Then the husband at that point needs to release that to God and, and take it to maybe a spiritual leader, a pastor to talk to him for some other kind of intervention, not talk to everybody else and every family member about it, but just take it to certain safe people counselor or whatever and uh, a spiritual leader to intervene but once but if he starts trying to fix her that's when that's when that's the sign of codependency when a husband or the spouse tries to fix the the other spouse mm. you know starts overly worrying overly going through depression and anxiety themselves because the wife is not wanting help some people might say, well, isn't that normal for the spouse to worry? Yes, it is normal, but overly worry and anxious until your all your peace is gone and, the, and you've used the enemy to, or the enemy has used the situation to rob your peace, rob your joy. Then you are trying to, obviously you are getting into a place where you're trying to fix your spouse. One yeah, of the, one on of the, the responsibility. causes, of, one of the causes of anxiety is that you are, you've become a fixer. Fixers mm. are very anxious people because they, they, they feel that their role, their goal in life is to fix the people they care about. Mm. If there's one message, I mean, I know that there's several things I've said in this episode, but I hope that the viewers and listeners, you know, you, you take this home, stop fixing people, stop fixing the kids, stop fixing your spouse, stop fixing your best friends, your good friends, your fiance, uh, your significant other, stop fixing people, stop trying to fix church people, don't fix them, release them for God, only God can do a perfect work in fixing us, he's shown that he can, he's proven that he can, and so release them to God, and God can intervene and, and help them, if they want help, even then, they must want God's help, but you cannot fix people because once you do that, you, you actually take on the inappropriate role from spouse to caregiver or from daughter to caregiver or from son to caregiver or best friend or uh, fiance or whatever to caregiver. You, you, mm. you cannot do that. Care, caretaking damages boundaries and caretaking causes the caretaker to also become controlling. Because you have now convinced yourself that your role in life is to fix other people. So then now, how do you, how do you um, play that out? How do you uh, play out the fixing? You will start controlling them. Mm. You will start controlling people and uh, they tend to, and controlling people, you know what they do? They trespass other people's boundaries. Because in order to control them, I have to trespass the other person's boundaries. So what do you what do you do? Stop controlling, stop caretaking, release them, pray, de lean on God, get help for your own emotions and desire to control, the desire to fix, the desire to um, play out inappropriate generational roles or family roles. You know that desire to 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 become the caretaker. Go to God. 
and say, I, I cannot, it is, I'm losing my mind trying to be a caretaker for my grown-up son or my wife or my husband or my, uh, my friend here. Please help me. And God will just say, back off. Part of trusting God is back off because I'm not the Messiah. I'm not God. So back off from, uh, sorry, I've got allergies, so I'm just tearing up here. But, um, you know, back off from uh, trying to fix other people. You know, it's been found that how we bond with others is determined by the nature of our bond with our primary caregivers. For example, if I've had a person in my life who was not just a mother or not just a father, look, a mother's role and father's role is already complicated and deep and emotional and strong as it is. They don't have to become caregivers to even make it more complicated and, and, and more emotional. Just be a mom. And, and of course, a mother can turn around and ask me, how can I be a mom without being a caregiver? Mm-hmm. Yes, you yeah. can. Yes, you can. You, you can define what a mom's role is. Your, the mom's role is to raise the child in the way of God. The mom and dad's role. Raise the child in the way of the Lord. Don't cover for the child. Don't protect the child's sin. Don't cover the child's mistakes. Don't go gossiping about it with everybody. Don't discuss it with everybody. You can discuss it with a safe person, a counselor for the, for them to get prayer or help, uh, a, a spiritual leader. But I, I know I've repeated that many times, but don't go and uh, wash all that dirty linen out in public. You know, you can protect mm-hmm. your child that way, but don't overprotect by covering up your sin. Let a grown up child be grown up. Don't treat a grown up like an eight year old. So in that way, you are being a mother. Well, isn't that mother kind of harsh and mean? No, she cannot force feed you until you're 37. She's not being harsh and mean. If she wants you to get a job and get out there and be a functioning adult, she's being a good mother. But once she starts taking responsibility for your adulthood, she takes responsibility for your responsibilities, for your emotions, then she's no longer a healthy mom. She's now becoming a caretaker, a housekeeper, a job finder, an employment resource person, a maid, a grocery shopper. Now, if you're five or eight, that's fine. Not when you're an adult. Not even when you're 16. You can, you, can, you can go shopping a little bit for the house. You can be responsible when you're a teenager. You know, if she makes up your bed every time you wake up, your mother is slowly becoming a caretaker and you're yeah. a housemaid. Yeah, that's one of the big issues, uh, I think, with, with uh, you know, here I am getting on my soapbox, an old man soapbox, but uh, I think that's one of the biggest big issues is that Parents don't uh, give enough responsibility to their teenagers, and then that's that's delaying their adulthood. You know, you got you got people who are twenty, twenty one, twenty two that can't even look after themselves, and that's because the responsibility wasn't given to them. Or uh, as you've been relaying here, someone has been a caretaker in their life and hasn't readied them for the real world. You know, when I use the term the millennial generation, sometimes I put myself out there to get into trouble because I know a lot about, I know not a lot about, but I know several millennials that are very responsible in that generation that have learned responsibility the hard way and they've become responsible. But I also know a lot of the generations, but you know, it's unfair to just stick it to one generation or or stick that label to one generation. I know baby boomers Mm -hmm. that are irresponsible, but, but the generation of today, since you mentioned it, and of course they, what do they have? The other one, what the, 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 the X generation or the, what, what is that? The X, Y, Z. Gen Z, yeah. The Gen <laughs> Generation Z. Z. Generation Apparently, Z. Apparently, uh, they're at the end of the world. That's why they're Z or All something right. like that. Well, whatever. The new generations, they, 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 they prefer to stay at home and save money. So if they have a part-time job at McDonald's, they're not going to pay rent. They prefer to save that money because they just want that money saved. You know what the argument is? Why do I have to give rent? Why do I have to, why do I have to uh, uh, pay rent? My mom and dad are doing that. My mom and dad are, are you know, uh, providing the uh, rental and the groceries and, and free coffee. Why do I have to help out? 
I'll just put away my 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 uh, income and my salary away for a rainy day and use it for my vacation to Spain. Even our primary caregivers, like our parents, foster parents, mom, dad, you know, whoever raised us, we do have primary caregivers. I mean, parents are actually called primary caregivers. I'm talking about caregivers in a negative sense. Those that without boundaries are codependent. But if our bonding with them um, has not been healthy, that could also affect our boundaries. And that could affect the way we treat our children. So that's why I'm talking about we need to examine our generational the generational roles other people have played in our lives. You know, I know a, a, a single mom and she's a, she's a lovely, lovely lady, very godly, good person, very hardworking. She's not afraid of hard work and everything. And um, she's had to raise her daughter uh, as a single mom. She's because of the circumstance of her life. So she didn't have any help raising her child. And uh, her child has had some health issues. But even though the child has had some health issues and the child has made certain decisions, the do- I mean, that she's no longer a child. The child is now a grown-up adult and has made certain decisions to, you know, live apart or live away from the, mo- the single mother. The single mother has not tried to take over the child's world. I mean, she's tried several ways to forge a healthy bond, uh, you know, forge a relationship. But when there's been resistance, you know, if you want a relationship with me, you need to agree to the way I live. You need to agree with what I do. I mean, if mm. I live a topsy-turvy, chaotic life, you just need to accept it. The single mom, is she doesn't want to accept that. The single mother is like, no, I mean, I love you and I want that bond, but you are not going to live like this in a chaotic way. So if this is the decisions you're making, I'm going to, I'm going to have to let you go. Not let you go as your mother. You can't do that. There's a right, biological bond there. And there's an emotional bond as well. But I'm going to let you make your decisions. I'm not going to sit at night and lose my mind over it. I'm sure that the single mother has worried a little bit and and been concerned. I know she has because I've seen how she has been concerned and worried about it and prayed about it. But she's not like taking over this young lady's life and on the phone with her 24-7 trying to... Trying to um, you know, be her caregiver. Now, the thing is, this single lady may not have had good bonding with her primary caregivers, but has learned boundaries as a skill. Mm-hmm. You learn it. She has learned to be a good mother and has refused to be a caretaker. And that is going to play out in a very healthy way to this daughter of hers who lives far away from her, but it's going to be good for the daughter because the daughter is going to now believe because she has seen what boundaries look like, what healthy boundaries look like and what caretaking could have done. I mean, it would have destroyed the single mom's peace of mind if she all she did was not only destroyed her peace of mind, destroyed any plans she had for her own future. For example, if she wanted to go somewhere else and, you know, and, and start a new life, she won't be able to. She's got somebody she's babysitting. Mm. Somebody she's, you know, force feeding. Yeah, exactly. But she's not. She's chosen to do the healthy thing. So I've seen that this can be done. I know. We've we've talked a lot. And this is the second <laughs> episode. So <laughs> Well, this has been this has been so good and, and so Thank you. insightful. You know, uh, you you've brought a lot to the table and there's a lot to think about. So I'd encourage the listeners to uh, if you didn't catch it the first time, listen back to it again and and di- digest what uh, Dr. Marshall has talked about here today and and follow those steps that, that she referred to uh, when it comes to trying to uh, break out of these relationships that, that are causing us distress and, and causing us to be unhealthy. Um, is there anything that you would like to leave us with as, as we finish up this episode? And thanks again for your time today, uh, Dr. Marshall. You know, uh, like I said, boundaries are a skill. It's an art. It's a science. You can call it what you like, but whatever it is, you're not born with it. You've got to develop it. And there are people, there are books, there are resources uh, in our world that we can get a hold of and start changing and making healthy changes. What I'd like to do is to pray if that's okay. Yes, of course. do that? Father, I, I come before you to every for every listener, every viewer of this episode and the, and the episode previously, 
I pray, oh God, that we will first of all lean on you and and get your insight, your mind. Your scripture says, let this mind be in us that is also in Christ Jesus. You have healthy boundaries with your children. Help us to develop these skills of having healthy boundaries and and and, and not becoming codependent or even dependent on anyone else to fix us or get into a place where we fix other people. Help us, God. And connect us to people that can help us to, to, to be able to um, uh, find out where we are at and to be able to show us and to expose even within ourselves, shine your light within ourselves to know where we are at on the health meter, on the emotional and mental health meter so that we can make changes that are necessary to have these boundaries that will save our uh, peace, our joy, and 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 bring us back um, a mind that is free from anxiety or depression. And I pray all of this for our listeners today in Jesus' name.